Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Well, we're continuing our sermon series this week on the fruit of the Spirit. And I want us to once again read these words that Paul shared to the church um, about what the fruit of the spirits are. So if you would with me, read these words from Galatians together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we have said each and every week, and we will continue to say each and every week, these are fruits that we don't get to pick which ones we like and which ones we don't like. These are fruit that all need to be evident in a Christ follower's life. Last week we began this sermon talking about both kindness and goodness because they go hand in hand. If you look at the etymology of the words, they both basically mean the same thing. One, kindness is the things that we do, and goodness is the mentality that it creates in us. And so today, as we begin to look at this idea of goodness, we have to realize that it has to become a part of who we are. It's not just a one-time event of driving through Starbucks and seeing somebody behind you that you know and saying, I'll pay for their coffee. That's nice, that's being kind, and that's a good thing, but in reality, it means it becomes a part of who you are. Goodness and kindness flow from you because that's who you are, and could I say it this way, it's because of whose you are. You're a follower of Christ. So these fruit go hand in hand and must be evident in all that we do. Again, I remind you, we're looking through this book by Scott McKnight called The Church of Tov that deals with the abuse of power in the church and talks about how to find healing and creating a culture of goodness in all that we do. Last week, I asked you to do three things. Do you guys remember the three things that I asked you to do? I asked you first to pray that you would be more kind this past week. I see some of your faces. Oh, yeah, that's what he asked me to do. Then I ask you to pause and acknowledge God's kindness to you. Because in reality, I think when you do those first two things, it does change our attitude. When we begin to pray, we begin to see that there are ways that we can be more kind. And when we look at how God has been kind to us, it changes our perspective. And the third thing I ask you to do was seek opportunities to demonstrate kindness to someone very unsuspecting and in a tangible way. So here's my question. 
How did you do? Did it work? Did it help you to be more kind? Or am I just reminding you again today that we need to keep that and make that a part of who you are? In McKnight's book, he teaches the circle of Tov. He teaches about nurturing habits of goodness in our life that because they become habits, they simply become a part of who we are. And so for a few minutes today, I want to look at these seven habits. We're going to have to go through these very quickly to get through this today. But I think these are habits that we have to put into place. I think people today need to see goodness. They need to see the church as a place that they can find hope and help, but they also need to find a church that they can find love and goodness in. The first Tov circle is this, that Tov churches and Tov people nurture empathy with those around us. Now, we all know what the word sympathy means. That means that we we understand what somebody is going through. We feel bad for them. We find sympathy in them. Many years ago, when I was at a church in Illinois, and I was the preaching minister, we had Sunday school before the service and then service afterwards. And we had an, an adult Sunday school class that met down in our basement, and our high school principal taught the Sunday school class. I loved when he taught the Sunday school class because he always did some unique things. And he was talking about empathy that day in Sunday school. And I'll never forget what he did. He talked for about 10 minutes about sympathy and what sympathy was. And then he picked up a lemon. And he cut it in half and cut it in half again and took that quarter of the lemon and put it in his mouth and just sucked. Do you know what we all did? We all went... I don't know if you can see that. And then he looked at us and he said, that's empathy. And I thought, wow, there is no better illustration of what empathy is. Empathy is not just when you feel sorry for something or someone. Empathy is when it becomes a part of who you are and you can literally feel what they are going through. We live in a very narcissistic society where everything is about what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And we need to resist that narcissistic mindset and we need to create a culture of empathy around us. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 when he is going into his hometown, Nazareth, to preach. Jesus says these words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, from the very beginning, he came to meet people's needs. He came to understand that there were hurting people in the world and there needs to be answers and hope and help that are given to them. He created the first church that created the culture of empathy because that's what Jesus did. 
Scott McKnight, in his book, listed some ways that we need to be better today in 2022 to exemplify empathy. As I read through these, it hit me like a lead balloon because I realized how poorly we do on some of these. Listen to what he writes. He says that these are some good examples of people who need empathy today in the church. He said women who are not permitted to use their gifts in the church. Women and others who are not believed when they share about abuse at the hands of leaders. Widows who seem to slide from hearty participation into the back pew or even out the back door when their husbands pass away. Widows, widowers who, though not as numerous as widows, find themselves lonely in the church. The physically challenged who sometimes can't even get into the church building because the facilities don't meet the codes, or could I add on there? Or because we don't have people to open the doors for them. The depressed, the anxious, the obsessive-compulsive who are reluctant to share their private struggles. The elderly who are often ignored or met with impatience. The divorced who feel they don't belong or are being judged. Those from different economic levels who sometimes can't participate in church-wide events because of the lack of resources. Those who differ ethnically or racially from the mainstream, dominant, or privileged culture in the church. Others who stand out from the prevailing demographic of the church. Tove churches and tove people, they will develop an empathy radar and begin to help those kind of people. Do you see those people every day around us? I have to be honest with you. Just yesterday, after I had written this sermon, after I had gone through all of these things, after I had prayed about kindness, after I had tried to find ways to be more kind, I'm at the grocery store and I'm in a hurry. And I am trying to leave the grocery store. And there's an elderly couple in front of me. I just needed to get around them. I needed to walk faster. The things that were going through my mind. And it hit me. I just need to be kind. I need to find patience. And I need to see empathy pour out of me and be kind. And so as I stood next to them, I just simply said, how are you all today? And they said, we're good, how are you? And I said, I'm good, thank you. Have a wonderful day. And it changed my perspective. From all of those thoughts that were going in the back of my mind to just being kind. We need to nurture empathy around us, in our lives and in our church lives. Tove churches also need to nurture grace in their lives. Grace-filled goodness begins in forgiveness. It forms in freedom, and it resists fear. Because we need to understand that God's design for the church, God's design for us, 
is to be a place where love is found and love is nurtured. In John chapter 4, verse 18, we read these words. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. We have all heard about the Apostle Paul and all of his work in his missionary journeys. When Paul met Jesus face to face, his entire life, his entire demeanor changed. And he began to go out and reach people for the good of Jesus Christ, to teach them about Jesus and to help introduce them to a saving relationship with Jesus. But his ministry didn't end there. Because not only did he teach them about Jesus and introduce them to Jesus, but then he taught them that the goal as a Christ follower was to get along and to serve hand in hand. That's what the church is still called to do today. We spend so much time arguing over non-essential things. We bicker back and forth about stupid things. We are called to be filled with grace and love. We're all different. And we need to embrace some of those differences. And we need to encourage one another. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, said it this way. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. How true is that? We need to remember that the church is a family. And let's be honest, families, they can be a struggle sometimes, can't they? We don't always get along. We're not perfect. We sometimes bicker back and forth. But the truth is, in a family, you know that whoever you're bickering with only wants the best for you and is striving for the best for the whole. That's what the church needs to be about, that we are looking out for one another. We are encouraging one another. We're building one another up. We're, we're helping people when they need help, but we're always together building trust-filled relationships. The third step in this circle of goodness is Tove churches and people, they nurture a people-first culture. Do you guys remember the old Sunday school song that we used to, or the old Sunday school saying that we used to do? All right, everybody put their hands together. You know exactly where I'm going. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the door and What? See all the people. You remember that? Can I be honest with you? We taught a fallacy in that statement because of this first statement. Here is the what? Church. The church has nothing to do with the walls that we sit in. The church is you and I. The building that we often call the church that is the lie that that is the church. The people are God's church. And we need to treat one another with dignity and respect. As a child, I loved watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Didn't you? 
You guys remember Fred Rogers? He was just from an hour and a half away from here. You know, I loved his goofy tennis shoes that he put on every day. I loved the sweater that he put on. I just read something about him this week. As I was studying for this sermon and thinking about Fred Rogers, I actually read some things about him. You know, somebody said that those sweaters that he wore were knitted by his mom. And that's why he wore them on the show in honor of his mom. I don't know where he got the sneakers, you know. He could have done something a little bit better. But I loved how Mr. Rogers called us all to be neighbors to one another. You know the story of Fred Rogers, don't you? He was a minister. He was an ordained Presbyterian minister that kind of went into TV in a unique way. He was one of those that um, he, he talked about cultural things in that show that were taboo in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. But he dealt with them head on. Let me read to you something that was written about Fred Rogers. Fred Rogers got up every morning between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. Teenagers, there are two 4.30s during the course of the day, just to remind you. He did that to read the Bible and to prepare himself for the day before he went to the Pittsburgh Athletic Association to swim. He swam a mile every day. But Rogers' preparation was not so much professional as it was spiritual. He would study passages of interest from the Bible, and then he would visualize who he would be seeing that day so that he would be prepared to be as caring and giving as he possibly could be. Listen to what he did. He thought about his day, and he thought about the people that he was going to come into contact with and thought about how he could be caring to them. Fred's prayers in those early morning sessions were not for success or accomplishments, but rather for goodness of the heart to be the best person that he could be in each encounter that he had that day. My friends, we are called to be people like that, that see people and put them first. It goes back to that first statement that I have. We need to get rid of that narcissistic mindset and we need to look out how can I positively affect and reach the people that I am in contact with. We need to see people and treat people as people. We need to look around and see who are the people around us. Who are the people in our neighborhood? Remember that song? We need to love them. We need to be open to enfolding people into our group and into our community. We need to get away from the cliques that so easily form in church life today, and we need to embrace people. We need to recognize that all people are created in the image of God. And we need to see them from that image. And we need to treat people as family. And we need to love like Jesus loved. 
That's what God teaches us in putting people first. The fourth step in a Tove church and in a Tove mindset is that we nurture truth. We need to understand that Jesus is the truth. Let's begin right there. Jesus is the truth. John 1, 9 says, The true light gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. We're talking about Jesus, that great passage at the beginning of John where, where John writes about Jesus putting on flesh, the very Godhead coming into our lives. In John chapter 8, John writes, then you will know the truth, and I love this next statement, and the truth will set you free. And we read in Ephesians where he says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and in truth. We need to understand that Jesus is the truth and Jesus gives us the truth and then we live that truth out to those around us. The fifth step in that circle is that it creates and it nurtures justice. Now it's not just enough to know what is right. Justice is doing what is right. And can I be honest? I think that's where we sometimes struggle, isn't it? We know what God asks of us. We know what God doesn't ask of us. And we often skirt that line as close as we possibly can. Well, God, how many times do you want me to go to church? You know, is it enough to maybe go to church every other week? God, is it enough? Oh, you know, I don't cuss too much God well I was nice to my wife but I wasn't nice to that person we skirt the truth as much as we can no God calls us to be good do you know when he calls us to be good all the time not when it's convenient we are called to do what is right because that is what Jesus asks of us to do and we're called to do what is right because he said it, not because somebody up here told you to do it. One of my greatest fears as a preacher is that you just believe me. I like it that you trust me. I like it that you listen to me. I like it that you, are, that you find comfort from our staff. But let me tell you something. I'm just a human. Our staff is human. We make mistakes. But I want you to hear us, not because it's what we say, but it's because we are saying what Jesus says. We are called to be people that show love and that show justice. Number six, a Tove church also nurtures service. In John chapter 12, Jesus said these words, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. 
My Father will honor the one who serves me. Galatians, Paul writes, You are my brothers and sisters. We're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather, read this last line. Serve one another humbly in love. One of the greatest things about the church, not this, but this, is recognizing that we all have gifts. We all have abilities. And it's time that we unleash the church to use those gifts and abilities for the kingdom of Christ. You know, we have some workers downstairs who are watching kids, who are teaching kids. We have some that are in the nursery that are changing diapers. They may think, that's really not doing anything. Well, that's letting the mom or dad be up here to maybe hear what they need to hear. Maybe you are showing love and kindness to a young child that might do something great. We have kids that are being taught downstairs that are her hearing about Jesus and are finding strength in Jesus. Those are important things. But I go back. Maybe it's somebody opening a door for somebody that would struggle to get in and they find they know they are loved because somebody took the moment to open a door or say good morning. My friends, where do you need to be serving today? If you want to demonstrate goodness, you've got to pour out and give out in your service. And number seven, Tove churches and Tove people nurture Christ-likeness. One of my favorite passages comes from Philippians chapter 2. Paul begins to tell us what being like Christ means when he says these words. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, that Godhead, did not consider equality with God something to be to use to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Let me tell you, the ultimate goal of every Christ follower should be to be more like Jesus. To demonstrate Christ's love flowing in us and flowing through us. We shouldn't have to stop and think, do I need to be kind to that elderly couple in front of me? It should flow through me. We shouldn't have to stop and think of what should I do with this talent God has given to me. It should flow from me and it should be used for the goodness of Christ. 
we need to be more like him and if we choose to be more like him let me tell you kindness and goodness will flow to those around us the world needs more kind and generous and loving and good people Scott McKnight in the conclusion of his book wrote this closing prayer that I want to read to us and I want to use as the benediction to these two topics of kindness and goodness Scott wrote father of all mercy you know the hearts and the minds and the acts of all your people you know all and you reveal your truth in Christ Grant us, your people, including pastors and churches mentioned in this book, to know the truth of the gospel, which unmasks our pretense, our quest for power, and our sins, and know the truth of your grace, which transforms us into Christ-likeness. Grant further, O Lord, the rich graces of reconciliation between those on opposing sides of the devastating events of the church. Grant so that we may live in the light, knowing the graces of your forgiveness, the power of walking in the way that brings you all the glory. Through him who lives with you, the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Amen. Friends, we need to be a place where differing views can come and find the truth in Jesus. We need to be a place where we can have discussions, but we always demonstrate love. We need to be a place where Christ's name is upheld, where Christ's truth is taught, and where people find hope in Jesus. If you've been asked to serve on our communion team, will you come and begin to make preparations as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper? That is the greatest example of what Christ did for us. That he went to the cross to give us life eternal. As we come around this table, we recognize that we have been forever changed because Christ died for us. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for Jesus who did clothe himself in human likeness and he clothed himself in my sin and the sins of all of the world so that we might have reconciliation with you. Father, help us to be a people that through our kindness and our goodness demonstrate what reconciliation is all about. Father, as we come around this table today, as we share in this remembrance of your sacrifice, help us to remember that we need this and we need to share this with the world around us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.